You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 4 of GamerNode's Versus Node podcast. My name is Eddie Inzato, website director at GamerNode.com. I'm here with Jason Finelli. How are you, Jason? Doing well, doing well. And Christos Reed. How are you? I'm good. That's so good. You sound a little sick, J- uh, Christos. Yeah, that would be the uh, hay fever. I'm, I'm from Scotland, so I'm not really used to hot weather. It kind of messes with all my internal mechanics. Oh, okay. Well, I hope you feel better. This week's podcast is going to be about E3. It's our wrap-up show. Last time we talked about what we expected and hoped for. This time we're going to talk about what happened and what we liked and didn't like. So before we get into all that, what have you guys been playing? Infamous and Prototype. I've been back and forth on PS3. I go by day. Nice. Um, I I try to play every other day because they're both very similar games. Um, we still punch out 360s, UFC, and then DS, I started Phoenix Wright. Um, I hadn't played those. So I beat the first one, I'm on the second one, and I am I'm very impressed with them. I don't know how I missed them. They're right nice. up my alley. Yeah, they are pretty good. But how do you feel about the uh, infamous versus prototype showdown? What's your take? They're Like I said, they're they're very similar, but at the same time, they're very different. Infamous takes more of a good versus evil karmic approach to it, not to mention lack of blood, whereas Prototype, um, there's no conscience. You can just pick up a random person off the street and throw them in the lake if you want to. Um, I like that, but at the same time, I like the fact that every time you go to do something in Infamous, it spells out for you what is the good thing and what is the bad thing. And then you then decide what to do. For example, in the sewer, the guy doesn't let you into the first Transformer, and he says, Cole says to himself, I could zap this guy and not have an issue anymore, or I could tell him what he needs to know, and he'll let me through. I like that. Yeah, I played a bit of that, and I liked that whole uh, good versus evil thing. But I also liked the the wild and crazy power of Prototype. I think both games are really good. They both turned out really, really well. How about you, Chris? What have you been playing? I have... I think this week I've been playing through Bioshock again. Uh, ah, mainly nice. to prepare for the sequel. It's been good. It's been relaxing. But it's not been as good as The Sims 3, which she has. And I sit behind her and I watch. Mainly because nice. I, I suck at The Sims. All my Sims die and I box them in. And then I box <laughs> death into the wall. I'm one of those people that will build a pool... And put the entire family in it, and then I'll sell the rungs, so they can't get yes. But <laughs> it's been... or or build four walls and just leave your sim in there, exactly, and watch them suffer. I'm, I'm a That's bit of You were the kid who fried ants on the sidewalk too, weren't you? You see, had I worked out how to fry, because I had a magnifying glass, but it never worked for me. It worked for everyone no. else. It never worked. But he tried. Me. He tried. He obviously tried. Yes. I did. Try. <laughs> But yeah, I've been playing, uh, and I'm waiting to play Red Faction Guerrilla this week, which I'm quite excited about, mainly because I forgot about it, I think. It was like a year ago when the tech demo came out, and I was like, ooh, you can destroy buildings. You can destroy everything. Yeah, and then 
finally it comes out and I read a review of it and it was glowing so I'm going to go take a take a look at that probably prototype as well at some point I've been playing um, some Crimson Gem Saga for the PSP it's a standard RPG I like it it does a lot of things really well but it's not really super spectacular off the charts like must have this game and I've been playing a little bit of Punch-Out which I kind of think is probably my least favorite Punch-Out ever so there's that. <laughs> oh no. Jason sounds very unhappy. What are you so unhappy about, Jason? I don't agree at all. No. Wait, well, why? Why? Because this isn't an official review, so I don't have to be specific. But um no, nah, it just it's not that it's bad. I I'm, I had fun playing it. I'm still having fun playing it, but it's I don't know. Not as good as uh Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, or Super Punch-Out to me. I feel like a lot of it has to do with the the pace of the fights for some reason. Maybe it's just because I'm not very good at it. I mean, I beat the game, but I had some trouble. Mr. Sandman beat me up a little bit, and that pissed me off, so I went and kicked his ass on the original Mike Tyson's Punch-Out afterwards, and then knocked out Tyson, well, Mr. Dream, <laughs> just for fun, just because I had to take out my frustration. I do agree. It paces a lot different. But at first, I was like, you know what? This doesn't compare to the original. But then I thought to myself, nothing is going to, com- <laughs> nothing's going to compare to the original. So I have to stop thinking like that. Yeah, and, you know, you're right. Because that's one of the best games like, really ever. Is. I mean, that, 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 that's my entire seventh year on Earth in a nutshell, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Day after day after day after day, I would... Always get the soda Papinski and lose, but that's another story. I just played that game forever, and now it reminds me of it a lot, but it's never going to be the same. It'll never take that place. I don't think anything will take the place of Mike Tyson's punch out, as far as I'm concerned. But I agree. Definitely. But I love it. I, I am loving the new punch out. I love the title defense mode because it makes it so much more difficult and so much more challenging, which is great. Um,. I like the fact that there's a 14th hidden fighter in there, and if you know who it is, you know what I'm talking about. That's an awesome inclusion once you get to them, him. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go look it up. I don't want to say it for anyone who hasn't done it yet. But that's awesome, and it's just, I really enjoy it. Fair enough. Um, so, now that we've gotten that out of the way, because we... Uh we skipped over what we were playing last time, which we found out afterwards. We're like, hey, you know, we never really talked about that. So there's that. But um, as for news, we had E3 news, and we have news coming through after E3. Who's got something? I want to talk about the new Zelda first, because um, I'm a huge Zelda fan. They didn't mention anything in the press conference, which was disappointing, but then Miyamoto had the roundtable discussion where he talked about how it's going to work. He showed the piece of concept art, which is very intriguing. I'd like to know more about it, but I'm not going to know more about it until probably next year at this time. So I'm not yeah. even going to, try, I'm going to try and put it in the back of my mind. But this uh, story coming out that it may require Motion Plus is interesting and a good interesting because, yes, I know it's another extra piece and Nintendo and peripherals piss us off, Vitality Sensor for the loss. But... Um, <laughs> Wii Motion Plus in a Zelda game will change the control scheme, which is something that would be awesome. 
Yes. Uh, the, the fact that you're actually going to control all of the sword fighting aspects and then have the shield in the other hand is very intriguing. So if they can make that work, I'd be very okay with it. Speaking of the Wii, uh, Seth Killian was talking about Street Fighter 4 and how, this is what he said exactly, um, while not every aspect of Street Fighter 4's presentation would likely be possible on the Wii, the core elements are obviously possible. As for Never Happen, I'd hope that if Tatsunoku vs. Capcom has taught us anything, it's that we should never say never when it comes to Capcom. So he was talking about uh, Tatsunoko versus Capcom and was asked whether Street Fighter 4 could ever be possible on the Wii, and that was his answer. So, I don't know, maybe that means that one day we'll see a version of Street Fighter 4 on the Wii, which I think would be great, even though the game may not be as uh, flashy as the others. What do you guys think? It deserves it. I mean, it's a great game, and you're missing a whole market, but at the same time, it better use the classic controller or GameCube controller. Or else it's not going to work. Just like Smash Brothers, I don't know how you're going to do motion control in Street Fighter. That's true. If I could replace every single control scheme for the Wii with the classic controller, I would honestly do it. I actually think it's the most comfortable, ergonomic, cool-looking controller ever in the history of video games consoles. I love it. I just don't think it gets used enough, and I think it would be so perfect for a game like Street Fighter 4. Were you just a huge Super Nintendo fan? I was. I absolutely loved my SNES. I got it, and I had one cartridge for my SNES. I had one cartridge. I had uh, Super Mario All-Stars, which was the five Super Mario games all rolled into one. And quite frankly, until I got my uh, PSX, that was really all I needed. Because you could just play that again and again and again and again and again. And it just never got old, really. But... I just think the Wii Classic controller, it just works. It looks like mm. those custom PlayStation controllers you could get for the uh, older Street Fighter games and things like that. I'm going to stop sniffing down my mic now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh. see what else. <laughs> um, oh, Sony was talking about their... Mo- well, actually, Jack Tretton was talking about Sony's motion controller and how he thinks... Keyword think. Our motion controller can be used with every game on the system now and every game we're working on. Now, that sounds really cool, but I gotta say it kind of sounds like a retard statement there. Because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I mean, let's qualify this. I think our motion controller can be used with every game that's on the system now. Well, the motion controller may indeed be usable, but maybe not the motion aspect of it, because it does have buttons and, and everything like that, and two of them, one in each hand, could possibly emulate a, a typical PS3 controller. So, I don't know. I, th- I think the PlayStation motion controller was a little weird looking. I've got to be honest. I've said this uh, like like a million times, I don't really understand why it is the shape that it is. I think they're setting themselves up for a lot of very, very immature jokes in the gaming press. <laughs> um, <laughs> But what I found most fascinating was they've managed to, in an era where Warhammer has now been transferred into Dawn of War, where you are no longer using boring miniatures and are now actually using people that run around the screen, they've now gone, but now you can have a virtual table and go ten years back in time through your TV. So you're essentially playing something that is less technologically advanced on something that is more technologically advanced. 
Meanwhile, mm. on the other side, Microsoft have got uh, Natal, which, you know, I think I'm going to give it about five years till it becomes self-aware and we all get killed in our sleep by Windows Vista, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Skynet-style uh, yeah. AI there. Scary. So what else you guys have going on in the news? My chosen topic would be the price point of the PSP Go, simply because it is completely fucking ridiculous. I honestly cannot understand how in the UK and the EU the DSi is 150, which is reasonable if a little high, but for 250, I just think there's something fundamentally wrong with being able to buy a you know, second-hand Wii and a second-hand 360 cheaper than it is to buy a PSP. Especially since the PSP is just an iterative system. It's not a brand new thing. It's playing a lot of the same games. I mean, it's just another PSP version. It's not something brand new, really. You could get a new Wii or 360 for the same price or less than the PSP Go in America. It, it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me uh, and and I I know where they're trying to go with this but you cannot tell me that a sliding screen and a sixteen make sixteen gig flash drive is worth the two hundred and fifty dollars I just bought a brand new cell phone yesterday with a sliding screen and it was sixty dollars <laughs> you know there you go Six, sixty dollars you can't tell me I mean of course it doesn't have the sixteen gig flash memory but you know what who cares? A 16 gig flash memory isn't going to add, uh, what is it, 190 dollars? No, come on, it should it should be coming out. It's ridiculous. I think it should be coming out at, at 200. Yes, it's more advanced than the PSP, and the and the core PSP 3000 is 170. That makes sense. Make it 200, not 250. Michael Pachter said that the Wii is going to see a price drop. He thinks that the Wii is going to see a price drop before the end of the year. So it's going to be even less expensive if we can take his word as gospel like everyone else on the Internet loves to do. Yes. But, yeah, um, supply has finally exceeded demand is what he said about the Wii. So now we're going to have the Wii much less expensive than uh, the PSP Go. So that's kind of sad. I still don't Very understand good. why it costs so much. I mean, I don't know about you, but I got my GameCube just after launch day, and it was £80, which is probably the equivalent of just over $100. And mm-hmm. I got that with Pikmin, I think, for, yeah, probably about maybe £120. And now I can't even get a DS um, brain training for that amount. The technology costs more, probably, but at the same time, it doesn't cost... As much as they say it does, maximizing profit has become an issue in the gaming um, industry. But that's a topic for a whole nother time. Um, it, it, may, it mainly uh, bases on the fact that it really doesn't matter how high they set their prices. Some people will buy them. Yes, some idiot will get the PSP Go and show it to me and say, "Ha! I have a PSP Go. What do you think of that?" And I'm going to say to him, ha, you paid too much. Now get out. <laughs> and that's going to be that. All right, so how about some good news now? Uh, President of the ESA, Mike Gallagher, said at E3 that he believes that Barack Obama's administration is going to be much more video game friendly than a lot of what we've been seeing uh, in the past 
few years. Um, he said he's not concerned about the possibility of universal ratings um, or or legislation of video game ratings at all from the Obama administration. So I think that's some good news on the grander scale, you know, when it comes to the industry as a whole. And I was glad to read that. I take that with a grain of salt. Mm. I, I, li- I like the idea. I hope it's true. And, you know, there is a first we. There is a we in the White House, which is a good start. But at the same time, all he, all he has to do, all you have to do if you're sitting in a meeting with his cabinet is look to his right at his secretary of state, former senator of New York, Hillary Clinton. Uh, very true. And, and I think to myself, hmm, he may be gaming friendly, but she is not. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I applaud you, sir. Whee! <laughs> All right. So I guess we can get on to our main topic here is what did we all find the most impressive at this year's E3? Like any standout games, that sort of thing. How about you, Chris? What what were your standout games of the show? For me, I would say Halo Reach probably got me pretty excited, but I'm not going to beat around the bush here. There was one thing that made me giggle like a schoolgirl, and... That probably had the same effect on Tycho and Gabe of Penny Arcade for anyone that follows the comics, which was me and Jason sat there watching Nintendo conference, blogging away, and all of a sudden the Wii Vitality Center uh, popped <laughs> up, and I was sitting there thinking that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen, hands down. Even the Power Glove wasn't that ridiculous. And Fingers down. A, yeah, and then all of a sudden up pops Metroid Gaiden. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, pretty much it made my year. I, I can't express how happy I was to see that. All I wanted really from E3 was another Metroid game from Nintendo, and that's exactly what I got. That and the grand slam that was Sony revealing Final Fantasy fourteen, which was absolutely oh, brilliant because that came out of nowhere and at first I think the majority of the gaming press thought was that a typo? You know <laughs> is he is he deranged? Yeah. But you know, I just the, my favorite thing of E3 is watching people make amazing Grand Slam announcements and hearing all the live bloggers in the front row completely shit themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's funny actually. I was there, and when they said that, people were just like, "What?" And it was it was a great moment um, and great great little uh, trailer they showed too. Um, that moment would have been so much better if the public was there. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Oh. Okay, so how about you, Jason? What uh, what would stand out for you? Um, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Chris on the Metroid announcement. Um, if you read the live blog, you'll see that what me and Chris's IM conversation turned into, basically just a bunch of gibberish with Metroid and other AM and Samus thrown in there. What, <laughs> what a fantastic announcement. I remember sitting there. I had a couple guys over. We went and got lunch and, and got E3, as my father said. It's Nerd City in my living room. Um, <laughs> and we're sitting there and we're watching. And then they, they show uh, – what was right before it? Galaxy 2. And I thought that was the – which was awesome, by the way. Um, I thought that was the end. I thought that was it. I thought they were done. I got really disappointed. I was like, that's cool, but mm. – and then he's like, we got one more thing and we're teaming up with a very prominent third-party developer. My head immediately jumped to Mario RPG 2, an official sequel oh, on yeah. the Wii. I went, oh, God, 
or I went to uh, Capcom helping them with Zelda on the Wii like they did on the Game Boy Advance with the Minish Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I saw the Team Ninja. I saw the, the sea. Once you saw the waves, right? I saw the waves, and I'm like, wait a minute. That's Team Ninja. Are we getting some kind of dead or alive with with Princess Peach in it? That's the last thing I need. <laughs> and then they go into space, and I was like, no. And then they and show like, the... Yes. And, and, then, and then they show the, the character in the lab coat with the short blonde hair, and I'm like, that's not Samus. Then they showed Zero Suit, and I went, that is Samus. And I <laughs> I shit my pants. I literally just all over the floor. <laughs> all over the floor. It was awful. But no, that was that was the coolest announcement of, I think that was the coolest, the most well-presented and the coolest announcement of E3. Just the way it was, he, he led into it, it came up, and then that was it. As far as my favorite games besides that, I think New Super Mario Brothers by Nintendo for the Wii with the four-player co-op is, is, is awesome. I mentioned Galaxy 2. I was really impressed with Mod Nation Racers. Yes. Um, that tech demo of building the track was awesome. Like, I've always been a fan of racing games, but I'm more of a fan of creativity. Like, that's why I was so into Little Big Planet. And the fact that they're basically they're basically making Little Big Planet racing without Sackboy is fantastic. I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah. I'm not much of a, I'm not much of an MMO guy, so 14 didn't really hit me as much as it hits everybody else. Microsoft had Halo Reach. Beatles Rock Band thing was really cool. I'm a big Beatles fan, so that was that made me happy. You don't want to know what I think about Natal. Although we do have these, we we do have the explicit tag, so I guess I can say it, but I'm not going to say it now. I'd love to hear what you have to say about Natal. <laughs> Please, I really want to hear. Um, I think the idea is cool, but Milo better not ship. <laughs> Milo better not ship because that is a pedophiliac wonderland. Just imagine some old guy in his house with his 360 and Natal talking to the little boy. The little boy, not knowing what's going on. It's like that's like peeping Tom's Unite. I mean, <laughs> that was creepy. It, it has great promise. Don't get me wrong, and it's certainly better than that. You're in the movies fiasco. But at the same time, it scares the living hell out of me. Although, if it takes them off the streets, yeah, virtual little boys versus real life little boys. I don't even want to get into that argument. Oh my god. You do make a very uh, good point, though. To be fair, I mean. I thought Milo was impressive, though I'm kind of more amused. I don't know about you, but water in video games is my thing. I like looking at water in video games. That's why I judge the graphics of an entire game by when I'm reviewing. Is is there water? Yes. How good is the water? Is it good? Yes. Okay, then. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I could ignore the majority of the problems with uh, narrative in Gears of War 2 simply because I stood in a puddle and moved around in little circles for about 10 minutes. <laughs> same, <laughs> the same with the opening of Bioshock. I judge by water and I judge Natal by water. But it, you, you do have a good point. I think Molyneux did state that that was effectively impossible. But let's be honest, I think the games industry has made, you know, I think games journalists, for the vast majority, have made careers out of turning things into sexual innuendo. So I don't really think it's a massive stretch of the imagination. I mean, mm. like the like the Sony motion control dildo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did mention that on my blog. I do think it looks like a neon goth sex toy. I, <laughs> it's horrendous, which is such a shame, 
because Modern Nation Racers looks absolutely fantastic. I really like the look of that game, that looks great. But, I don't know, I just, when they were playing around with the sword and stuff, I'm like, I really hope this looks better by the time you launch, because quite frankly, the graphics in that little virtual living room were horrendous. They were so bad. I mean, the N64 had better graphics than that. But I still think the best thing about motion control E3 was the Ubisoft demonstration of the Raving Rabbit inside the Wiimote, where they shook him around and you pressed buttons and he would run over and look at the button coming into the controller. And then, obviously, you had a perfect example of gaming sexual innuendos with the press because they're all sitting in the audience and he's shaking this controller up and down really vigorously and everyone goes silent, <laughs> everyone looks at him and everyone pisses themselves and you just thought, well, Milo's not really going to work, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know looking at Natal and Sony's motion control I really liked Sony's more than Microsoft simply because um, with Microsoft and Natal it seems like you're getting a lot more of this almost a game kind of just messing around sort of thing but Sony is focused on bringing motion control where I always hoped that the Wii would go and taking it into real deep video game experiences where you're actually controlling the character in 3D space and obviously the the demo at E3 looked kind of crappy, but that's because it was just a, a demo. That's the software. It's the the hardware technology that's important about that, and it showed that you can get into the game very, very deeply with Sony's uh, motion controller, and I was really excited about that. Heavy Rain, obviously, I'm in love with that game, and just the developer. I sat in on a demo with David Cage where they showed... I, I talked about it in my preview on the site. But it just it looked really good. Assassin's Creed 2 sort of made me giddy because I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan, and this time around they've basically fixed everything that anyone complained about with the first game, and I feel like it's going to be one of the best games of the year. Double stab? That's all I need. Yes. The Final Fantasy thing was cool, but the MMO that really impressed me was All Points Bulletin. Uh, from Real Time yeah. Worlds, Makers of Crackdown. That was cool. It's the most customizable game I've ever seen with your character and your car. Just You have Last FM integration so that as you drive by people, it will grab that song off of their computer and play it while you roll by in your car. It's just such an immersive world. Um, the players will develop characters that can actually become famous across the entire server, and um, they will be integrated into the story eventually for everyone else. Other things about it are the way that it sets up missions, in that you get your mission from whatever NPC, and then as you go into it with you and possibly a friend or whatever, the game will search for, say, your Say you're a uh, an enforcer, which is like your cop in uh, APB. It will go in and search for criminal characters, players who are playing, and give them the same mission but from the other side so that you are never playing against AI. You are always playing against players. 
and you're still involved in complex mission structure, not just, okay, throw players at each other. And that it just looks really well done, really well put together, and it's pushing things in a great direction. Other than that, I don't know what. I love The Last Guardian. That got me all emotional, the uh, the trailer, even though it's been sort of leaked forever. It just looked great. Kind of looks like the never-ending... Dog Ratbird? <laughs> exactly. It looks like the never-ending story. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. What else? I was happy to see Mario Galaxy 2 was great. Mod Nation <laughs> Racers, of course. I mean, Little Big Planet meets Mario Kart. Who, who, who wouldn't like that? Obviously, Team Ninja working with Nintendo. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I would like to raise a question. Okay. You do that. From a presentation standpoint, from a entertaining, like to, if, if you're looking at these to be entertained, which we're not, but at the same time, we kind of are, who was the most entertaining of the three major conferences. I say three major because if anyone says Ubisoft was entertaining, I'm going to punch him through the computer. Um, James Cameron, just go home. Anyway, I this was hard for me because if you look at it at what they want what they said they wanted to do before E3, what they did at E3, now looking back at it, they all accomplished what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Microsoft unleashed this new technology. Nintendo went back to the core, mm-hmm. and Sony showed off their big their big powerhouse games. But from a entertaining presentation standpoint, this is going to sound odd because they dragged on. But the fact that Jack Trenton would joke with the crowd and make them laugh and stuff like that gives me gives the edge in my eyes to Sony. Reggie wasn't on stage enough. It was too much cami in Nintendo. And I just don't like the guy who does Microsoft's face. I just don't like him. There's something about him. He's creepy. He's creepy. There's something creepy about him. The Beatles rock band at the beginning was awesome, and then it kind of bottomed out. Even though they had a lot of games, it kind of bottomed out for me. And then I came back a little bit with Natal. But I wasn't as engaged as I was with Sony's because he was joking and laughing. Their tech demos were good. The only, da- the only down point of Sony's was Gran Turismo guy going off. About Gran Turismo for four and a half minutes. How long can you talk about a racing? Seriously, they drive around in circles. But oh, you're making some people mad right there. No, I I know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that. But that's that's what a racing game is. You know. I mean, it's very technical. Yes. And it was on the PSP. If you're talking about Gran Turismo Five, I understand. PSP, come on. Yeah, it was um, almost like they were not ready to talk about GT Five, and they're like, well, we got this PSP version, even though our real game isn't ready yet. Right. Um, but as far as entertaining standpoint, I was most entertained by Sony. If you want to call me wrong or if you want to tell me what you think, I would. that'd be, you know, that's what we're doing here. So that'd be a good idea. Eddie, you first. I got to tell you, I don't care what the people on stage are doing. I'm, I'm in it for the games. So they can just record voiceovers of all the video footage for all I care. But um, overall... I enjoyed the Sony conference the most because they focused on the games, whereas Microsoft focused on putting every possible service you could think of into Xbox Live, which I don't really use a whole lot as it is. So having Facebook on Xbox Live is not going to impress me. 
Nintendo showed their franchises, you know, their their big time core gaming franchises, which was cool, but uh it wasn't enough to keep me really into it. They focused a lot on casual gaming. It was Sony for me. Just all the good games that I wanted to play seemed to be there. I don't know if that really answered your question. It probably didn't, but uh as for the people I just didn't I don't care. You had a preference. That's all I was asking. Chris? Okay. For me, I had a personal favourite and one that irritated me beyond all rational thought to the point where I could barely (laughs) speak any words that weren't, you know, complete and utter disgusting obscenities. And that's not because I'm from Glasgow. That's just simply because I was annoyed. Um, For me... (laughs) Uh, European humour. Yeah. Can't beat it. For me, the worst conference, even though there were good games in it, was EA. Mainly because they started off with the most irrelevant games I've ever seen them present to an audience of the gaming press. I understand that Imagine sells a lot as a franchise. I understand that somewhere, someone is watching the E3 conference on TV with a little girl who wants to find out about Little Miss Pet Shop Online, but quite frankly, I don't. Put it in a press release. Release it behind the scenes. It's it's not difficult, guys. I mean, it's it was so boring for so long that by the time Need for Speed Shift came on, no one cared. And then they brought on Bioware guys who showed us two Marilyn Manson backtracks trailers for Dragon Age Origins and Mass Effect 2, both of which we'd seen already, even though Mass Effect 2 was slightly extended, but not by any significant amount. It was just one disappointment to another, and then Brutal Legend came up, and there were all these you know, amazing stuff, and I, I liked seeing Tim Schafer talk. I thought he was a really honest speaker. I thought he was great. But I was ultimately disappointed. The one I really did enjoy, and this is going to hack Jason off no end, was Ubisoft in terms of entertainment, but not so much in terms of <laughs> I knew you'd do that. Um, not so much in terms <laughs> of content, but definitely entertainment, because I had Joel McHale come on. And yeah, okay, I give I, you that. I had no idea who he was when he came on. I thought, well, you know, this is probably just something I'm not aware of because I don't watch um, American television. And he came on, and he was hilarious. And after that, I was all for getting stand-up comedians to present this stuff, because games journalism runs on humour. If Joystick wasn't funny, if Penny Arcade wasn't funny, the games industry would be a very boring, serious place where people talked about Counter-Strike and, you know, paedophiles and Milo. (laughs) But... (laughs) But then James Cameron came on and talked about Avatar and completely ruined the film for anyone that ever wanted to go and see it in the next, you know, 30 years. I think, short of amnesia or Alzheimer's, I don't actually think you're going to get anything out of that film anymore. But it was a good presentation. I mean, they made it funny and they made it entertaining. But at the same time, I was secretly raging inside because there was no Beyond Good and Evil 2. Which is frustrating Mm. because... You know, me and Jason sat there live blogging. We wrote thousands and thousands of words in the space of like an hour. And I got to the end of it and I thought, wow, my hands hurt, but that was really great. Okay, now for Beyond and Good and Evil 2. My hands were hovering over the keyboard for the next 20 minutes because I couldn't believe they didn't announce it. But I'm now going to turn this into a bit of a flame bait question, which is the one game 
that didn't get announced that I think hacked off more people than any other unannounced game combined, which was Half-Life 2, Episode 3. So I'm going to open up the floor to Jason first for his thoughts on the absence of Gordon Freeman, Alex Vance, and the Combine. Um, I will admit, I am probably not as big a Half-Life fan as you are, but from a gaming standpoint, I absolutely agree with you. It's a huge game. It's a huge title. We know it's in development. You've shown us it's in development with pictures. Why the hell wasn't there some kind of tech demo and or trailer? Something in motion. Um, it, it, it boggles the mind, the things that they leave out because they, they don't think they're important. Um, I'll give you, like, a good million people, two million people, more than that even, who would have dropped their jaws at Half-Life 2 Episode 3. You know who they are? They're the people that are bitching about Left 4 Dead 2, but that's another story. Um, it just it, it boggles my mind that it wasn't there. I, that was one of those games that I thought, you're going to be there no matter what. Half-Life 2 Episode 3 debuts now, has to, and then I was disappointed, and I don't know why. I wasn't I don't really uh, that upset about it. I just figure it'll come when it's ready. Uh, although I guess uh, I guess episode two has been out since 2007 now, so maybe it is about that time. But I figure they'll be done when they're when they're done. Nah, I'm not that patient. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Does anyone think that Left 4 Dead 2 was announced way too early? Because yes. No. I think, well, <laughs> Jason said <laughs> that was great. So that was, you know, you don't even need to listen to the rest of the podcast now. You can go and take a nap or eat some donuts or make some pasta because <laughs> essentially they've just summed up what was a ten-minute discussion <laughs> in three, three seconds. But to expand on that a little bit and be slightly more verbose than yes and no, I think. The main problem with that is that the software development kit for Left 4 Dead has just been released. And it's it's still in beta, it's not actually fully released yet. Uh, they haven't finished downloadable content, they haven't finished anything, and all of a sudden we have this new game, which is a new game, it looks better than Left 4 Dead 1. But the problem is, it looks so much better than Left 4 Dead 1, it makes Left 4 Dead look like a prototype, like a beta test almost. And I think it's just a massive kick in the balls to everyone, but at the same time I think they're going to start sneaking out bits of a Half-Life 3 engine with it. I think we're going to see a Half-Life 3 because the delay's been too big. Are there any games that the two of you were either really disappointed with or just kind of sore and thought, really, could you not have left that in the oven for another couple of months? No, mm. the only thing that was really sort of bothersome to me I can think of at this moment <laughs> was not seeing Beyond Good and Evil too because we've seen it and we know it's there. But I guess that's sort of the same argument that I just was on the other side of the coin for with Half-Life 2 Episode 3. So I'm just a big hypocrite. Mine is Where Was Rare? Oh, uh, yes. Rare. Where was Killer Instinct? Where was Perfect Dark on the Xbox Live Arcade? Oh, wait. They did give us that in a press conference. Thanks. Yeah, I walked um, around the booth and didn't. I didn't see that there. I was around honest, the Microsoft booth. To be honest, 
where was Xbox Live Arcade's representation besides Shadow Complex in their entire press conference? Am I wrong? Did I miss something? Mm. Or, or is there, was there just Shadow Complex and then nothing else? I, I really thought I really thought that they would expand more on Xbox Live Arcade. They have Marvel vs. Capcom 2 coming at the end of the month. They have delayed the, I'm sorry, the timed exclusive Turtles, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time Reshelled, I think is the full title. What a mouthful. July 22nd, timed exclusive, and then PlayStation Network gets it later this year. There's a lot of good games, and then there's probably games that we don't even know about that they'll only announce through pre- uh, press releases when they really deserve a little more clout. Like, do you think that Marvel vs. Capcom 2 coming to Xbox Live, I think they announced that perfectly. A teaser website with a countdown clock. And then once the countdown clock went out, you heard the music and you knew. Awesome. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. But Shadow Complex, great game. Don't get me wrong. Looked awesome. I would have liked to have seen some turtles. And I would have liked to have seen a little more Marvel Cap too. But that's me. I agree with you. There were a few things just around that you could stop in and play, but it wasn't really in the spotlight like it could have been because downloadable games are getting bigger and bigger within the industry, so it would be nice to have a little bit of a focus on them. I think that's also a place where Sony had Microsoft beat. The, the Saying that uh, PlayStation Network will be getting Final Fantasy VII that day was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant marketing scheme. Yeah, I thought I thought the, the the focus on PlayStation Network made Sony's a little more appealing. Also, okay, well we're sort of heading towards the end of the podcast. I'm gonna fire the second to last question at Eddie. What was your favorite title that appeared at E3 2009? I'm gonna say APB just because of what it means for gaming, um, just the expansion of technology. Otherwise, I was really into Last Guardian and Assassin's Creed 2 and Heavy Rain and Brutal Legend and a whole bunch of others. But I'll say APB. <laughs> How about you? For me, it would probably be Metroid Gaiden, mainly because I refuse to call it Metroid Other M because I think it's a stupid name. Though, that said... I think had Tomonobu Itagaki stayed with Team Ninja, it probably would have been Metroid rated M, so I'm kind of happy for that. But definitely Metroid. I think it looks really solid. I think they put a lot of effort in to flesh out her character. Obviously, the Metroid Wii titles have been a lot more story-focused. I mean, Metroid Fusion really was the only one that, for me, had a quite an intense sense of direction and narrative but it'll be interesting to see her talk more I'm hoping they'll shy away from the predictable uh, sort of take off Samus's armor and stuff like that at the end of it mainly because I know Team Ninja are going to take that way further than they need to but <laughs> I think that's probably my game of the show so what about you Jason? I have two games Tossing around in my head. Uh, Metroid is not one of them because they didn't show enough. Um, the trailer was great, but uh, they need to show a little more to make it the game of the show. I think I have to pick Splinter Cell Conviction as my game of the show because that gameplay Good demo choice. looked awesome. As you're walking through and then the mission shows up on the building 
what you're supposed to be doing right there, and then you walk in. The 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 it was very fluid. It looked great. The sound looked good, and just it really really impressed me. I'm not a big Splinter Cell guy. I was always more of a Metal Gear guy, but I think that just the the reimagining of the series. The fact that it was delayed and pretty much taking out of the press's hands for a while was brilliant because now they can basically um, reset the series almost because it's been so long since Double Agent that it just it just it's perfect. It was it was a great great strategy by Ubisoft. The game looked great, and I hope that it plays as well as it looked. One thing I wanted to mention. Activision is pursuing legal action against Double Fine and Brutal Legend. Have you heard about this? They are seeking legal action against Brutal Legend because they say that that they still own the rights of the game or something. A very, very stupid dick move. Um, according to a report from the Associated Press, Activision claims that Double Fine failed to deliver Brutal Legend on time and mostly on its dime. The suit contends that the Brutal Legend developer was paid $15 million to finish the game, but missed a key deadline, with Double Fine asking for another $7 million in development money and a nine-month extension. When Vivendi and Activision merged, Brutal Legend was missing from the titles that Activision would inherit. But Activision claims it still retains its rights to the open-world action adventure and that the mega-publisher has suffered irreparable harm in losing the game. That article is from uh, Michael McWhorter on Kotaku, so thank you for that. My favorite moment of E3 is Tim Schafer's response. And Tim Schafer's response was simply this. Hey, if Activision liked it, then they should have put a ring on it. Oh, great. Now Beyonce is going to sue me, too. I, I, how else? That, that's the perfect response. And on that note, this has been Gamer Nodes versus Node Podcast, Episode 4, the E3 Wrap-Up, with myself, Eddie Anzato, Jason Finelli, and Christos Reed. Thanks for listening. Later. Later.